Let's turn please to <coughs> Matthew's Gospel chapter 6. Matthew's Gospel chapter 6. Um, today we'll come to the words of verse 12. Verse 12. This is the fifth petition in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6 and verse 12. <coughs> it says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This fifth petition it brings us to the end of the supplications in the Lord's Prayer, <coughs> that is, those supplications which are for the obtaining of that which is good, and it brings us to that which is the first of the depreciations. And what we mean by that is the petitions for the removal of that which is evil. And so it's clearly stated here, forgive us our, our debts. We know what debt is. I think every one of us today knows what debt is. Forgive us our, our debts as we forgive our debtors. I think there is a noted peculiarity about this petition. And it commences quite differently from the other four. And we read here for the first time the word and is used. That little conjunctive. The fourth petition is give us this day our daily bread. And look what follows afterwards. And forgive us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So I think there is an obvious link here in the teaching of Christ when it comes to prayer. Give us and forgive us. Give us and forgive us are two distinct but very closely related petitions. You can't say to the Lord, give us, and at the same time refuse to pray, forgive us. Because the two things go together. And I would like to spend a little time with you just pondering the significance of that connection and apply some further thoughts uh, to our hearts and lives today as the Lord would teach us how to pray. The first thought is that unforgiven sin hinders our getting from God. Unforgiven sin hinders our getting from God. Uh, we cannot get away from the significance of this concerning these petitions. Uh, we're taught here to pray, give us. And last week we thought about that petition and I think it blessed all of our hearts and encouraged all of our lives because daily we need to pray, give us. Because we stand in need every day and we have need of grace and mercy and temporal needs every day. So every day we have to come before Almighty God and we do have to pray, give us. But quickly we should be adding, forgive us. Because if we don't pray, forgive us, we're hindering the blessing of God. In Psalm 66 verse 18, the psalmist said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It couldn't get any more personal. <clears throat> it couldn't get any closer to all of us than that. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
Here we see the necessity of praying. Certainly give us. And with a God who's willing to give. But at the same time as praying give us. We come before God today. And we ask him forgive us. And we have a God equally. Who's abundant in mercy. And ever ready to forgive. Unconfessed sin. Hinders our progress. It hinders our progress in the place of prayer. Jeremiah put it very bluntly in Jeremiah 5 and verse 25. He was a prophet known for his blunt speaking. And we understand him. And he said, your sins have withheld good things from you. Not an amazing verse in the context of, of what we've been thinking about in the past weeks. Give us. But the very things you've been praying for God to give you are hindered from you. They're kept from you. Because the Bible says your sins have withheld good things from you. And there are many who cry unto the Lord, give us. But they don't think that they have anything to be forgiven for. And if that's your mindset today, there is something very, very much wrong with your relationship with God. They want God's best. But they don't see that they have to confess how far short they have fallen of what God requires. What was true of Israel is equally applicable in our own day and in our own generation. If you and I persist in sin that's unforgiven, unconfessed and unforsaken and unrepented in our lives. Well, you can ask all of you want, brethren and sisters, but you'll never get what you're asking for. They give us and they forgive us. They go hand in hand. Deuteronomy 28, 23. It says, Thy heaven that is over thy head shall be as brass, and earth that is under thee shall be iron. We've often heard that expression. It's an awful thing. When the heaven is as brass, it's as if there is no tenderness. It's as if God is not hearing us. But the reason is, perhaps, because there is unconfessed, unforgiven sin, unforsaken sin in our lives. We look out today in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thinking this morning in the early morning prayer meeting of Isaiah chapter 51. How God can turn the barren place of Zion into Eden again. And Zion today is a barren wilderness. The professing body of the Lord Jesus Christ in our land. It's like a, 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 a howling wilderness. It's desert. It's bush. There's very little growing spiritually in it. It's like brass. The heaven is like brass. But God can turn it and make it into be like Eden. Give us and forgive us. We need to allow, I think, this truth just to sink into our hearts and into our lives today. It's a solemn application to all of our lives. When heaven is as brass, when God, as it were, turns his face from us, and hides his face from our petitions, we need to examine our hearts. We need to look in here. As we sang in that opening Psalm, <coughs> Psalm 51 and verse 6, God desires truth in 
the in the hidden part in the inner man. Psalm twenty eight verse one. David said, Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. What is the difference between <coughs> the man, the ungodly man of the world that's going out into a lost eternity, and the professing believer if God is silent to their cry? Uh, and David said, Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. The Jews of old, when they prayed, they lifted up their hands to God. As we lift up our hands to God, we have nothing in them but confession. We have no merit of our own. These hands are unclean. And we need to cry unto God for mercy. Let there be nothing between us and the Lord that would make the Lord silent to our cries. Secondly, this truth emphasizes to us our unworthiness to receive his blessing. If we need to cry unto the Lord for constant forgiveness, and remember we're praying this prayer every day, uh, and we're praying the truths of it every day, uh, we're taught here that we cannot merit or earn God's blessing. Now, we learned that last week, and we emphasized that last week. We're unworthy even of the bread that we enjoy on our table, the daily allotment, the daily portion that God gives to us along the journey of life. We have to confess that we're unworthy of it. Even the good things that sustain us on the journey of life is all of grace. It's not of merit. Remember Jacob. Jacob 32.10 he said, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. God was teaching him. He was now an older man. As a younger man he thought God owed him something. But now as an older man, he, he, he was cognizant of the fact that he wasn't worthy even of the least of the mercies and of the truth that God had showed unto him. That's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of spiritual maturity when a Christian comes to that point and place in their life. We're unworthy to receive his blessing. And yet although we're unworthy, God has blessed us. And he's blessed us with the greatest blessings of all because he's blessed us with the gift of his own dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no gift like Christ. And we thank God today for every believer in the gathering that knows and loves the Lord Jesus Christ as their own and personal saviour. Romans 8 and 32 said, says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It's all through Christ. The only basis upon which you and I deserve anything is upon the merit and upon the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The ungodly enjoy what they do of the world, as we said last week, just through God's goodness and his common grace. But you and I, as his covenant people, we receive his mercy because of his engagements with us, his love towards us, his promises fulfilled to us, who has blessed us, the Bible says, Ephesians 1 and 3, in all spiritual places in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
if we're not worthy even of the bread that we eat, well then every time we pray, <coughs> we're reminded of our debts. We're reminded of all of the mercies, both temporal and eternal, that come from the rich provisions of God. It's like going back to the banker, isn't it? And you're asking for more. You're asking for a further loan from the bank. But the bank manager reminds you, reminds you, you're already in debt. You're already in debt. You already have a loan to pay off. You already have a debt to pay. And we go to God like that every day. We're constantly in debt. We're constantly in debt. But despite our debt, when we confess our sin, God gives to us from his grace and from his mercy. What a wonderful God we have. And a wonderful God we serve. But we thirdly, as, as we look at this connection again, we realise that without God's pardon, all of the temporal blessings do us little good. I want, you to, I want you to dwell on this just for a moment or two with me today. There's a multitude of blessings <coughs> that come our way this side of God's eternity. And it's all encapsulated, as we said last week, in that daily bread. Remember the daily bread, it covers the whole spectrum of life. It's not just the literal food, it's the appetite that we enjoy the food with. It's not just the health, but it's the enjoyment of all that comes with it. It's not just the clothing, it's the housing, it's the friends, it's the family, it's every temporal mercy that God gives you and I on the journey is included in the daily bread. And yet the Bible teaches us that without the pardon of God, the daily bread amounts to nothing. I want you to factor all of that in. Matthew Henry put it so succinctly, he said, Our daily bread doth but fatten us as lambs for the slaughter if our sins are not pardoned. You can die rich, but you'll still go to hell. You can even die suddenly, unhealthy, as it were. There's many an individual that's been in the full throw of health, and yet suddenly they've been taken out into God's eternity. But you're lost. You can have the biggest farm and mourn. You can have the deepest bank balance and mourn. In all of this little province of ours. You can have all of the blessings that comes with the daily bread. But you're just been fattened as it were for the slaughter. If your sins are not pardoned. The greatest gift, the greatest blessing of all is pardon for sins. Now that's a challenge to us all today. It's not just a challenge to the ungodly. It's a challenge to the Christian. Because Christians oftentimes look at the world. And they look at how men of the world prosper. And they be envious of the men of the world. If you don't believe that, read through the Psalms. Read through the lake of Psalm 77. It's a constant battle right throughout that Psalm. The psalmist looking at the world and he's thinking, well, well, why do the ungodly prosper and those that are Christians struggle along the way? Well, why is it so? Why is there so many uneven things in life? But I just want to say to you again today, what does it matter one second after death what any man or woman ever had in life if they didn't have the pardon of God? And what will it matter to you if you have the grandest house in mourn, the best family, 
the most luxurious lifestyle. What will it matter to you or anybody else one second after death if you die without your sins pardoned? It'll not matter because you've lost everything. That's the solemn reality. What does it profit a man, the profit and the debt? What does it profit a man if they gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? Because if you lose your soul, you've lost everything. Dear person today, the greatest possession you have is your soul. And all the goods of the world that you have will never make up for the loss of your soul. As Christians we need to be very careful, don't we, that we, be, that we do not become engrossed in the things that God has given us, the daily bread, rather than in God himself. Over the years I've met many rich Christians and they've been very content. Not because they're rich, just because God has given them contentment. And I've met many who have been very discontent. They haven't been satisfied with their daily bread. Oh, that would have grace and the wisdom to enjoy what God has bestowed upon us and that we would have the wisdom to use them for the promotion of his kingdom. If God has blessed you with little, it's that you can survive this side of God's eternity and promote his kingdom. If God has blessed you with plenty, the same principle applies. I think that little tithe equalizes all of the people of God. It doesn't matter whether you're just on the minimum wage or whether we couldn't even calculate what wage you're on. It doesn't really matter or whether you're not even on a wage at all. Just that same one-tenth that God asks us to give it's the same for you and me and for all who profess the Lord's great name. It puts us all on the wooden footing. All that we would have the grace and wisdom to use what we have. Not just to get us through the journey, but to promote the Lord's kingdom and his glory. Now there's a final lesson here. And it's simply this. As God gives freely, he equally forgives freely. As God gives freely, he also forgives freely. He who feeds us will also forgive us. Now that's a sweet word today. It's a sweet word to all who know and love the Lord. It's a sweet word to those that are feeling cold and distant from the Lord today. Maybe you're in the meeting today and God knows your heart better than anybody else in this meeting. And God knows that your heart is backslidden and away from the Lord today. You've been caught up in other things. Maybe you've been so caught up in getting the daily bread you've forgotten about the one who gives it to you. And there are many, there are many Christians like that today. The good things which God has given has taken the place that God himself should occupy. But does God not forgive? Does God not restore? He certainly does. We believe in restoration. David could say, he restoreth my soul. There's pardon even for failure. There's restoration for the backslider. 
And when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. We, every Christian should know that first, first John chapter 1 and verse 7. Because all of us will come to the place where we'll be overwhelmed by our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us. We stand daily in need. We stand daily in need of mercy. We stand daily in need of bread. We stand daily in need of forgiveness. So what are the lessons? Well the lessons are simply this. All of you I am 100% sure have made provision for today. To make sure the bread is in. To make sure the provisions are in for the day. <clears throat> you've, you've kept a short account. But it pays also to keep a short account with God. In our intercession. Yes the food on the table is important. And we're not minimizing that. But also the pardon for our soul is important. Give us. Goes with forgive us. Give us. Whatever is your need today. Give us. Certainly pray it. But also go on. <clears throat> that little conjunction just brings us straight into it. Give us and forgive us. What a blessing to know that he does forgive us. It's clear from Luke chapter 11 where we read also today <clears throat> that the word debt is a reference to our sins. It reminds us that whenever we deny the Lord his right, whenever we deny the Lord that which is his due, we are indebted to his law. We have broken his law. We have transgressed his law. <coughs> Righteousness is God's right. It is his due. It is something which he uh, requires. And it's our right to give it to him. And when we don't give it to him, we then are in debt to him. And therefore failure to render unto God his lawful due is viewed under this biblical imagery of debt. Every time we don't give God that which is his due, we are going into debt. In Luke chapter 7, verse 41-43, we have that wonderful picture there of God setting forth under the figure of the creditor. And of course this is partly due to him. Not only being our creator. But also our lawgiver. Also our judge. <coughs> God has not only given us gifts and graces to serve him. But he's also placed us under the law. So that we're condemned when we default. You know sometimes people will say. <coughs> when they're stopped by the police for example. Speeding or. Or whatever. Oh maybe they're driving at 50 in a 40 mile an hour zone. And they'll say oh I didn't know. But ignorance of the law is still breaking the law. Your ignorance of the law will not excuse your breaking of it. We're debtors. We're debtors to the law of God. And there's a day of accountability coming. When those who have refused to repent of their sin, are, their debts are all going to be called in. Do you know what that day is? That's the day of judgment. There's a day when the debts are going to be called in. And you and I know that spiritually and morally we are bankrupt. If God was to call in today, my debts, I have nothing to pay him. 
I stand before him indicted for all of eternity. And all I can plead is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ who paid all my debt by his death and by his bloodshedding. And if you can't say today from your heart, Jesus paid it all for me. As Paul said, Christ died for me and personalize it and individualize it. You're in debt for all eternity. Deliverance has to come from outside. That's why we're praying in this prayer. That's why Jesus taught us to pray in this prayer. Give us and then forgive us our debts. What, what actually are we asking for in this petition? Well, that God will not lay to our charge the sins which we daily commit. Psalm 143 and verse 2, it says, Enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. If God was to regard iniquity, who should stand? None of us. We'd all be lost for eternity. Forgive us our debts. Some would argue, if God has already forgiven the Christian, is it not needless to continue praying for forgiveness? <clears throat> well, remember, there is a difference between the purchase of our pardon by Christ and the actual application of it to us. Full atonement has been made. We rejoice in that. <clears throat> but it's still necessary that you and I confess our sin to God and seek his pardon and his forgiveness. And I think this is well illustrated many times in the Bible. In Second Samuel chapter 12 and 13, Nathan said unto David, I have sinned against the Lord. There was his great confession. We sang from his penitential psalm this morning, Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, he begged God for forgiveness. Although Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. In Psalm 51, he's pleading with God to forgive him. <coughs> we're asking, we're asking that God will accept the satisfaction of Christ for our sins and look upon us as righteous in him. Forgive us, forgive us. In effect, we're praying, I think in this prayer, for God to keep us sensitive to sin. And if we're sensitive to sin, we'll be sensitive against sinning. There are many today, and they've lost that sensitivity. <clears throat> you always know when someone has lost their sensitivity with another, they think they have a right to say what they want to another person. They're not sensitive to that other person's feelings. That they, that they might by their words hurt that other person. They've lost their sensitivity toward them. And there are many Christians and they're like that with the Lord. They're not sensitive anymore that they've broken the law of God. That they've grieved the law of God. That they have grieved the Lord. They've quenched the spirit of God. <coughs> I don't think as Christians we can ignore this. And the way to overcome it. It's just to continually keep praying, Lord, forgive us. Be sensitive to the things that grieve the Lord. We're not demanding, we're requesting. 
We're not demanding forgiveness, we're requesting forgiveness. <coughs> Dr. Kearns, in his exposition of this, he, he throws up some very challenging points. What does it mean for us to forgive? Because that's what we're praying. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What does it mean for us to forgive? Don't have an unforgiving heart, dear Christian. Don't have an unforgiving heart. Because if you want forgiveness from God, make sure you know how to forgive others. We're not to be vengeful. We are to seek reconciliation. <clears throat> Don't have a vengeful heart. You want, you want to extract your pound of flesh, as it were. You want to get your right. You want to justify yourself. That's all very good. There, and there, there are mechanisms to see that that's all done in an orderly and in a godly fashion. But vengeance belongeth unto the Lord, not unto you. When I was in Kenya a few weeks ago, <coughs> one of the and one of the questions in the pastors' conference was, uh, when when someone has sinned, what you know? How do you cope with that in the church? And someone said, "Well, you just give them unto the devil for the destruction of the flesh." <clears throat> well, I'm just giving you personally my answer. I'm not an apostle that I could do that. That's not my remit. But I am to make sure that I don't have vengeance in my heart toward them or hatred in my heart toward them. And I am to seek reconciliation with those who are at variance with me. And if there are breaches of either a church code or a penal code within the, the nation in which that individual lives, well then, certainly judicial action has to be taken. And can be followed through. Even though you've forgiven that person. They have to face the consequences of their actions. Either in the church or in the state. I think one of the greatest barriers today. To blessing in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is an unforgiving spirit. One Christian toward another. An unforgiving spirit. And. And. In rural Ulster, we see that so many times, even in our churches. Somebody a generation ago did something on my parents, and that was handed down to me, and I talk about it to my children, and there's a three-generational dimension now to all of that whole argument. Brothers and sisters, let it go. Let it go. Don't carry it to the grave with you. I take to heart these words of the Lord Jesus in Luke's Gospel. Chapter 11, verse 4. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone uh, that is indebted to us. How can you pray, Lord, forgive me? When you refuse to forgive others. That's a hindrance. It, it cannot be done. And I think it's one of the greatest hindrances to blessing in Ulster at this particular time. 
Let's guard our relationship with God. Do not allow your sin or do not allow the sin of others to come between you and him. When people offend you, when people hurt you, and sometimes when an apology even is given, it's hard to forgive. But I want you to be wary of such a situation where you refuse to forgive. Now maybe that's been a challenge to you in the past week. Someone has come and said sorry to you. For something that happened. Something that they did. Something that they said. And today you're swallowing hard. You can't forgive them. Well I just want to say in closing to you. It's going to do you more harm than anybody else. Oh what various hindrances we meet. And coming to the mercy seat and one of the greatest hindrances surely has to be the unforgiving spirit. We know how to pray give. But let's learn today how to pray forgive. Give us goes with forgive us. And as we obtain mercy from God and as we obtain forgiveness from God thus we're taught to forgive others as well. May the Lord teach us how to pray. May the Lord put that true spirit within our heart and within all of our lives today. Let's unite in prayers we conclude our meeting.